Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Horror versus Reality. I'm your lovely host, Anastasia, and with me, as always, is the lovely Morgan. Ooh, hello. I'm lovely? Aw. We both are lovely today. I just uh, felt like saying that. Okay. <laughs> You're lovely, too. Um, the lovely Keith is with us. <laughs> yeah, he's lovely, too. <laughs> uh, that's just what I needed. It feels feels nice. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I, full disclosure have my vape going right now so i'm like on a really good happy high <laughs> so you maybe, maybe that's why everyone's so lovely right now <laughs> <laughs> all right so today's episode is dukan uh 2018 uh asterisk uh versus mona fandy this is a wild episode, guys, and Dukan is a shit movie. <laughs> it's not very good. I'm sure you both will agree with me. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really yeah. like it. I thought this was kind of interesting because, uh, like I saw you mentioned on Twitter, you were looking for this movie. So that's kind of how I ended up here is just thought I'd crack out my old, you know, teen piracy days of like, I wonder if I can steal movies still, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> with Netflix and Amazon, you don't really need to do that so much anymore. But I was a big time pirate back in the day. So I just went searching for it. And I'm like, oh, cool. I found it. I might as well watch it. And it's kind of cool to not know. Like, it's hard to not know anything about a movie. It's a kind of a rare thing. So that right? was kind of cool, but then it's like two hours long and it's just going and going. And I'm like, well, you know, it was exciting at the start. Yeah, it just kind of fizzled out. I was like, ugh, I just have so, to sit through the last part of this. Well, yeah, because it's a little more, there's like enough to keep you interested for the first 30 or so minutes. And then it's only punctuated with bonkers visuals of her in jail. <laughs> and long courtroom scenes for the rest of it. Yeah, I and, like the uh, part with her in the in the jail with her legs all everywhere. Yeah, those are the parts that wake you up. You're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> and those parts are interesting enough. Um, I mean, the graphics. So the asterisks by the uh, date is because this film was actually made in 2006, and uh, in Malaysia. So. Yeah, that was like that was like the final twist because like the file said 2018, but then the credits at the end said 2000 whatever year six I guess, and I was like, what <laughs> what <laughs> what's happening? Yeah, so the film um, because of the controversy controversy with the uh, Mona Fandy case, there's a lot of media attention to it. So um, 
basically, even though they had already made the film, they were just kind of like, eh, I guess we're just not going to release it because of out of respect for the victims or something. Anyway, no one really knows exactly why they shelved it for 12 years, but they did. And I mean, I don't think they were ever planning on releasing it because it was actually just leaked to Facebook in 2018. And uh, yeah, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we know what it's like. And they gave it a fish, an official release at the Malaysian Film Festival where it was um, nominated for like 11 awards and it won four. Um, I'm not sure what the bar is there, <laughs> but whatever. Um, yeah, I was but, thinking back to uh, when I was first on uh, was uh, Wolf Creek because I was saying how I like I like you know non-American movies because it just reminds me of my poor home country of Canada where we're like we have this <laughs> film industry that no one cares about. But this is like way below even Canadian Australian standards. I'm like maybe no other movies came out that year in Malaysia. Like who knows? <laughs> um, well, you guys, and this is a different country, but. I don't know, it, like Malaysia and like Hong Kong. If we think back to the, there's a secret in my soup. Oh God! Movie. Uh, <laughs> I think they're just, um, you know, like America shits out a lot of crap too, though. I think this is just the equivalent of a B movie, just like Cat, just like we were saying that Cat Four films in Hong Kong or Cat Three films in Hong Kong are kind of like B or C movies. Yeah. So, yeah, just think of this as like, you know, a Malaysian Lifetime film, and there you go. <laughs> and it was like visually pretty well done because like I, I didn't guess that it wasn't a 2018 movie, so I'll give them that. It looked pretty. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, some of the graphics are eh, but it's, it's not uh, super recognizably from the 2006 time period which right. is credit to them. Morgan? Hmm? I'm here. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Cuz you were like real quiet. I was reading something. I'm sorry. I'm here. I am 100% here. Okay. My felt so alone. <laughs> you know what I was thinking with this though, uh where uh just that it is like so rare to just know nothing about a movie. So I was trying to think back to when the last time was that that happened. And I realized it was Anna's favorite ever movie, It Follows. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I remember um, in one of the really that's... early episodes, you were talking about how much you hated that movie. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Morgan, if you didn't remember, he's being very sarcastic there or facetious. <laughs> yeah, because, <no. laughs> uh, yeah, I fucking hate that movie. I've never been so disappointed. That's not true. Um, almost equally as disappointing to me was the movie It Comes at Night. <laughs> Nothing ever came at night. <laughs> Nothing ever came. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Just with saying. me, with uh, with It Follows, like, I mean, I'm sure if I had heard of it and I heard it was some, like, you know, indie masterpiece, then I probably also would have been like, boh, nuts to this. But it was kind of cool because I just knew nothing. My friends were going to the movies and then I was just like, all right, I guess I'll just come along. So I just knew. I didn't even know it was a horror movie. So in that fucking scenario, it was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. <laughs> what a weird movie. I but, wish I could have been pleasantly surprised in that way. 
yeah, it was the best possible way to see it. But I was thinking, yeah, like there's that, there's Dukun. I can't remember any other times that I just knew 0%. It's a cool thing, though. I don't know. It's like there needs, because like with social media and stuff, you just always know something about a movie. We need to figure out some way to just blind ourselves to movies and just, just watch them at random. It's fun. It's, it is fun. It's a it's cinematic fun. adventure. Well, yeah, it's so incredibly hard for me to do that as, you know, a film journalist. Yeah, pretty much impossible. Really. It's impossible. And I hate it. But I did manage to sort of keep myself almost completely in the dark on. um. Oh, what is the name of that movie? Ah, shit. I don't even know what it's called. I know that the Mondo Boys um, did a sound, did their soundtrack. Because they also did the soundtrack to Mortuary. Uh, or the Mortuary Collection. That's it. The Mortuary Collection. I'm kind of talking to myself. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, even this Dukun movie, the closest I came is... Because, uh, you know, I was dragging my feet about actually watching it. And in one of your episodes, at the end, you were like, Oh, yeah, Keith's going to be back on. And uh, we're going to do Dukun. And Morgan's like, Oh, that's that movie about... And I just skipped ahead <laughs> the 10 seconds. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it was close, but I, I managed to avoid it. Sorry, I almost uh, gave <laughs> you some spoilers. Ruined it, Morgan. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't have meant anything anyway, like whatever you were going to say, but just, just so I was totally blank. <laughs> I don't even remember what she said. You know, you would know from making podcasts yourself, like after you've done a certain n- number, they kind of run together what you said in certain ones. Oh, yeah, totally. It's just a, a blur for sure. Yeah, especially like side conversations that have nothing to do with the topic. Like those are really hard to remember. <laughs> Cuz like yes. I've been trying to, you know, promote older episodes so um they'll get more plays from newer audiences cuz some people don't always skip to the first one, you know. And oh god. I complete I you know, I've been going back and listening to the episodes to make blurbs and stuff. Oh, I just completely forget tons of stuff that we've said. <laughs> <laughs> like, an embarrassing amount of things. But I imagine everyone who does this is that way. Yeah, no, I think so. I definitely feel that way for sure. Morgan, do you have memories of the conversations we've had on this? Um, Just the ones that were turned into the artwork. <laughs> but was like, right? Just, the ones that we've like side done- conversations. <laughs> Right? The artwork or, like, funny Instagram videos are the only ones that are super standout. Yeah. Uh, Keith, did you ever see that we made um, Leatherface dance in slow motion to um, Wicked Game by Chris Isaac? (laughs) I I missed that post. It sounds great. I think it's pinned (laughs) to the page if you want to go find it. Yeah, shout, shout out to Rachel for voting that one. (laughs) <laughs> yes, thank you. That was hilarious, and it was exactly what we needed. It was a big hit on the TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get started on this film. All right, guys. So uh, it is, like I was saying, a 2018 Malaysian legal horror thriller that was filmed in 2006. It is loosely based on the true story of a murder on Malaysian politician at the time, Datuk Madlan Idris, uh, by, as I was saying, Mona Fandi, 
who, interestingly enough, was once a mildly popular Malaysian singer. Uh, and, you know, then she went and turned herself into a Dukan, which um, in English means shaman. But um, in the film, they refer to her as a witch doctor a lot. And um, that's 100% derogatory. You wouldn't do that towards someone who was practicing good magic. But because of what, you know, she did and everything, that's why they're referring to her as a witch doctor. So um, it was supposed to be released in 2007. And like I said earlier, they were probably never going to release it. Um, It got leaked on Facebook. And uh, that's how we are all able to see it now. Well, it is weird, right? That whole, uh, I mean, the same kind of thing happened with Wolf Creek, but this, uh, you know, these events are not based on any real people or whatever, but you're just describing a lady who was a singer who killed a politician who was a shaman. <laughs> and that's, this movie's about a lady who sings in a club and kills a politician and is a shaman. It's like, <laughs> come on. like <laughs> Yeah, it's obviously based on her, based on her. Now, to be fair, there is a whole B-plot in the film that has absolutely nothing to do with her case and is purely fictional. And that would be... The B-plot is that uh, Kareem, her public defender, the only reason he agreed to be her public defender is the police are helping him look for his runaway daughter who was like captured in a raid of some sort. So basically, they're like, look, you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. So he doesn't want to defend her. Because, I mean, she looks guilty as fuck. And she's, you know, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, so he's stuck in this position. So, Kareem... Um, approaches an old friend who works for the government to alert him if Nadia is found by any of the authorities. And in return, like I said, um, he decides to defend Diana Dolan, which is the Mona Fandy character. She is a woman shaman who has been arrested for allegedly murdering Dot of Jeffrey, a high-profile businessman, during a pagan ritual. Now, during their first meeting, Diana surprises Kareem by revealing his past and being like, you know, I know that your wife had difficulty conceiving and that you eventually were able to give birth. She was eventually able to give birth to your daughter, Nadia. But since then, your wife's gone missing and Nadia's run away from home and she knows all this. And she tells him that he that she's got these supernatural abilities and he sort of starts to believe in them but i want to take a moment to talk about the very beginning yeah of the film what the fuck was that (laughs) (laughs) i was hoping you were going to touch on that because i was just like what it never goes back to it right Um, did i miss something we'll get into it (laughs) okay (laughs) so okay These are my notes that I wrote while watching this. Just So I'm cracking up at how many close-ups of this tube of lipstick at the beginning. (laughs) Maybe it's Dukan. Maybe it's Maybelline. (laughs) (laughs) The colors definitely 
blood of my victims. Um, <laughs> and then nice. there's a scene later on where the older detective said to uh, the younger detective Talib that the womb they found in a jar was his mom's burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that yeah. also make you chuckle like ooh burn yeah yeah that was like the only funny part I know right <laughs> <laughs> like I'm telling you the first 30 or so minutes are the best part of the whole movie <laughs> and then it just gets it just goes a little downhill from there so hold on what was the, the deal with the people getting shot in the beginning I'm okay I think that's the raid that his daughter's caught up in. Oh. Okay. Yeah, because that definitely threw me off because, again, because I knew nothing about this movie, so I'm just trying to figure what it is. And, yeah, it seemed like some kind of, uh, like, um, military, you know, Khmer Rouge-type Cambodia that's killed people stuff. And I was like, I just I don't know what this is. And then I went back and rewatched it halfway through the movie because I was like, yeah, what is this? They never went back to it. And uh, as far as I could tell, I guess it's just to show... I think they were just killing a bunch of shaman women, just that they just don't dig black magic, I think was all that's supposed to show. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Um, I had no idea. Well, okay. Spoilers ahead for what's going to come next, but I mean, I'm spoiling the whole movie anyway, just so it doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, So, from my understanding, you know how later on in the film, Nadia... uh, inherits you know what we'll just come back to it i don't well, okay okay yeah. I, that's such a big thing and okay you know what just okay i'm just... completely missed that point <laughs> okay um you know what you story time we'll talk, we'll talk yeah. about Let's it later just listen take, take us on the ride okay <laughs> so um so Talib and Shaw, the officers that I was just talking about who made that jab, um, they're investigating Diana Dolan with a case of, um, like, serial murders. They're just missing. They haven't found a lot of bodies, but they know a lot of wealthy men are missing, and they think she has something to do with it. But they don't have proof yet. So in an effort to find a connection between these disappearances, um, they meet with Dowd, who investigated some of the earlier cases. Now, doubt implies that people worship not just facing Mecca and the Islam religion, but in all directions nowadays because of fame and wealth, and that he fears that the longer Talib investigates this case, that he will become more prone to temptation. It's a really preachy scene, and doesn't really have a lot else to do with the movie. Um... So Dowd is murdered by Danny, Diana's assistant, and Talib starts to understand that Dowd was trying to tell him something. Now, Diana used to live in the northern, southern, eastern, and western regions of the city. She's just kind of moved around a lot. So uh, they start excavating all her old homes, and they start finding dead bodies in each and every one of the yards. Um, all except one of the bodies are men who used to be her clients. Now, while studying the female victim's body, Talib and Shah find that it has been mummified 
with only its womb removed. And that's important for later. And was that also, that's the body that had like, uh, like there were inscriptions on the bones, which was like pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, right. That is a cool looking part. I like the steak part where they open it up. It looks like steak. (laughs) (laughs) It really looks like medium rare. (laughs) Beef. Yeah, it looked like it did not look like skin and stuff. I think they just went with a steak and like carved some stuff on it. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> Made me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're good, man. <clears throat> All right. So. Uh, going back to the B storyline, um, Nadia is found by the authorities, and she is placed in a women's jail. And she becomes possessed and turns fucking hysterical. And then, so then they put her in, like, the loony ward. Of, that's not appropriate language, Anna. <laughs> um, they put her in the mental health wing of the hospital. She is visited by Diana's spirit there and it's revealed in flashbacks that before Nadia's conception Kareem's wife had secretly gone to Diana for her help now in return Kareem's wife was supposed to sacrifice her second fetus however when she did become pregnant again years later she didn't want to undergo the ritual however her womb is forcefully removed by by Diana and Danny And she dies during the ritual. So, the body with the womb removed is the is the her defendant's dead wife. That's their connection. Her, like, her lawyer. Yeah, her lawyer. Yeah, sorry, her lawyer. (laughs) Yeah, she killed her lawyer's wife years ago. He's been mi- she's been missing this whole time, and the woman he's defending is the one who killed her. Fun twist that is has nothing to do with Mona Fandy. That's always weird too, right? Just that, like, when you, the more of these connections that you make, it's like it just makes the world feel really small. When yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'd be a more boring movie, but in real life, I mean, the average people just they just don't know each other. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, Malaysia is a small country, but come on. Yeah, it always makes you think of, like, I mean, there's many things that annoy me about Star Wars, but that is brutal in Star Wars, where it's like, oh, guess what? You know, this girl is really the granddaughter of the big evil guy from the old movies. And it's like, no, she's not. (laughs) (laughs) Or like in this case. Or in this case, it's like, you know, he, she actually killed the lawyer's wife 10 years ago. It's like, no, she didn't. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? Why was that necessary? But then I guess you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because then if she didn't do that, then you just it would be an even more boring movie. So I don't know. True. I don't have an answer. They had to throw some fun, fun fictional twist in there. Right. Yeah, I, I guess. Mean, it makes sense how she knew his daughter and what happened and everything whenever. That's true. She, she knew all those like things because she knows them. Yeah. Your wife was missing because I killed her. <laughs> 
And I guess, too, yeah, I don't want to jump ahead, but that is a thing that's weird with this movie, too, is it kind of can't decide if magic's real or not, because that would be a great way to explain how she seems magic and she seems to know all this stuff about his family. But then at the end, when she transfers her powers into the daughter, it seems like she really did do that. So I guess (laughs) there's magic. (laughs) Yeah, there is magic. (laughs) Yeah, they've got mixed messages there, which uh, it's interesting because in Malaysian culture like during the trial there's no laws against black magic so they ha- they handled it you know like a straight murder case well, I mean which it is but at the same time um, after this case it started lawmakers to want to write up bills against or laws against black magic just the you know but that's really murky area but anyway just a side note while of things I uh, discovered while investigating this case. Uh, anyway, so this is one of those long, boring court scenes. <laughs> it's revealed that uh, Diana had no intention of killing Jeffrey. Um, she was supposed to adhere to certain... He was supposed to adhere to certain taboos for a few days in order to become invincible, in order to test his... Inv- blah, blah, blah. Hmm. In order to test his invincibility, Diana tried to chop him with her sword, but ended up killing him. Again, that's what you were kind of talking about. Is the magic real or is it not? Yeah, I got a few problems with that. It's just like, first off, uh, so it's a cool idea that like, okay, you've got to do these orthodox things to prove that you're worthy of becoming invincible through black magic. So it's like he can't have sex. He has to only drink water. I don't know, some, some things. But it's for like four days. Yeah. Like, yeah. come on, dude. You can't do <laughs> that for four days. four days. And then the other thing is to test if the invincibility worked, she immediately decapitates him. Yeah, right. <laughs> it reminds me of there's an old Bill Hicks joke about like people who take LSD and think they can fly. So they jump off a building. And his joke was like, well, if you thought you could fly, take off from the ground first and check it out. You know, <laughs> like, like if you want to test if the guy's invincible, you don't have to immediately cut off his head (laughs) totally rest in peace bill hicks (laughs) okay so uh yeah where was i in my notes okay so uh she has her assistant uh slice the body into like 18 pieces and dispose of it now nothing like real life right (laughs) oh no not at all they definitely Mona definitely didn't have... Do the same uh, exact thing. (laughs) Yeah, she did. Spoiler, she did. (laughs) Totally not based on Mona Fandy, though. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Never heard of her. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... uh, Kareem tries to argue for Diana's sentence to be reduced to manslaughter, since she did not intend to kill Jeffrey. However... The court finds her guilty and sentences her to death by hanging. Diana waives her right to an appeal and chooses to be hanged immediately. Um, I would like to refer back to my notes, my other notes, my funny notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I would just like to say... 
do you love the prison uniforms in Malaysia in the Malaysian prisons at least the ones that they had in the film I think they're way more attractive than American ones uh, do you even pay attention to them <laughs> I, I didn't really I didn't, notice I didn't notice the fashion except for hers she was always neatly dressed after her psychotic breaks in the the cell well yeah but she was always in her like uh court attire because Mona Fandy dressed up really fancy for every court appearance. Yes, she did. <laughs> I don't... Well, fancy for 1993 in Malaysia, I guess. Um, what were you going to say? I don't remember what they were wearing. Oh, okay. So they looked like scrubs, kind of like what, you know, they do here. But they looked like kind of form-fitting and were solid black. Oh, and nice. Like, I, I did not notice that. Yeah. I... <laughs> oh, yeah. It's... I just I did a little Google image search. Yeah, it, it does look pretty cool. <laughs> right? They're nice. <laughs> They're nice scrubs. See, these are the kind of notes you make when you watch the movie Stoned and Sober. <laughs> <laughs> I refer to my funny stoned notes. <laughs> when well, I'm I love that too, like when it's sort of hard to focus directly on a movie if, you know, the plot itself isn't really getting you. So then, yeah, you start looking at the background a little and like, man, look at those prison. <laughs> you are in my head right now. That's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> um, I so love did you ever hear of, there's this podcast called The Worst Idea of All Time. And uh, it's these two guys from New Zealand and they watched Grown Ups 2 every week for a year. And, uh, <laughs> and it got like that where. Like, they just were desperate to not focus on the movie anymore. So they have, like, long, like, they come up with all this stuff about just background characters. Like, what do you think that guy was up to? <laughs> it was, it I've was never heard of that. Yeah, and then they moved on to do, like, Sex in the City and stuff. But it was best when they were just doing something about Grown Ups 2. is the perfect movie to just torment yourself with every single week. It was really funny. I've got to listen to that now. Uh Shoot me the title again in the uh, Skype chat. <laughs> yeah, I will. Okay. It's like in Kung Pao. I've watched that movie probably like 900 times, and there's the so fence. much fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much funny stuff in the background. <laughs> Isn't that the one where there's like a scene where a cow does like Matrix shit? Yes. <laughs> when he goes to the field. Okay. Avoid sure the meadow. That. Yeah, it's the meadow scene. <laughs> Sorry, I've seen that movie way too much. Um, I've only seen it maybe once. Oh, so, you missed when out. I was like a kid. So I knew That's... a guy who uh, his he was trying to watch Biodome a hundred times. I have no idea why. And he's like, <laughs> hey. <laughs> and he's like, hey, we should watch Biodome to help me get to a hundred. And I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And somehow we never did. I've never seen Biodome. It's like, how? How did we not do that? <laughs> Biodome is a friend. ridiculous movie. <laughs> yeah, if I ever reconnect with that dude, he lives out west. Uh, that's I'm making him watch Biodome with me. I felt like kind of slighted. Like you, you're gonna watch this movie a hundred times, and <laughs> you can't watch it. <laughs> you happened. can't watch it once with me. <laughs> that's amazing. Biodome? Why? Polly Shore? No. Yeah, yeah, I mean maybe Son-in-Law. You know, that's like the peak of <laughs> Polly Shore, but it went down fast after that. What about We're in the Army? That one's uh, kind of fun. I, I saw that in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very nice. Polly Shore was very popular back then. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Andy Dick's in that movie, too. Really? 
Hey, we're um, in the army, yeah. Oh, oh, that movie. I thought you meant Biodome. No, no. We're in the army. <laughs> okay, so um, after the verdict, Kareem goes to the woman's prison to get his daughter, but is instead told that she's already been released. He's like, what the fuck? To who? And uh, he's later informed by Tlaib that the mummified woman is his wife, like we already said. And he's like, no! <laughs> Did you notice that after, uh, this is just my dumb Canadianness coming out, where like we're just, we will not litter. We'll just keep garbage on our person until we find a garbage can. So when the cop gave him the note that, you know, explained about his wife dying and, you know, he's shocked. He like, drops the envelope on the ground in front of his apartment and then the <laughs> cop leaves and he goes back in and nobody picked up the envelope. And I'm like, <laughs> you're just going to leave that shit there? <laughs> like, I don't care if you're white. Your wife's 10 years ago. Come on, pick up your garbage. <laughs> just throw it away, man. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> um, So you see Diana get hung. Um, You don't see like, neck in you don't see her neck break and all that if you want to see that happen watch uh i'm sure there's more movies than this but watch dancer in the dark that's a really depressing movie that stars bjork oh right i knew i'd heard that name somewhere yep it's a lars von trier movie Mm. Uh, i will say there was one little artistic Thing that I was like, oh, that's cool. When they're putting the new server, it looks like they put a funeral shroud over her face. And they when just... they're they're putting the noose over her, they're holding it above her, and it's like a red halo for a second. It looks kind of cool. It's like a nimbus around that's, her. That's kind of true. Um, I mean, I thought they just put a bag over her head like they do when they hang people, though. Yeah, it just looked like the, uh, the funeral like the shrouds. Funeral. Like they they use in Malaysia, they're white though. I think my ghoulish mind was too focused, hoping that I'd get to see her next step. <laughs> <laughs> I guess too. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, I guess they don't really do hangings anymore. But the idea of like the the hangman being uh, anonymous, they were like, "Nah, we're the two people. We're hanging her." <laughs> yeah, they're just yeah. normal people. <laughs> hey, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. So. She's dead, and you see her spirit possess Nadia, who's now the new shaman. And pop star. (laughs) Yes. So that first scene, this is how I interpreted it. That was, she's already been kidnapped, or whatever, Nadia has. Um, And she was with them, right? That group of um, Dukons. So she gets picked up there we think she's missing the whole time because we don't realize that she was with them um so then because that you know the background story of her already being sacrificed essentially to um diana so basically you know that's just kind of that theory just gets confirmed at the end when she's possessed by the spirit does that make more sense yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the feeling I had at the end of this movie, because, yeah, it's like walking that line of, like, is it 
real or is it not? Is there magic? Is there not? And I was thinking about it for a second, but then there's that other thought that's like, do I give a shit either way? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoops, I guess no. not. You kind of don't, but um, I read, I can't tell you how many reviews. <laughs> and um, I read this one Malaysian dude's film analysis of it. And uh, this is what I came up with. So <laughs> that's the most sense that that first scene can make with the rest of the movie. One thing I think could have really been cool, because they touch on it a bit, is uh, the idea that even if black magic itself isn't real, maybe what's important is just if a society and if people believe in it. Like, they got into that a little, where they asked everybody in the courtroom, like, how many of you people believe in black magic? And a shit ton of them did. And I remember reading about, like, uh, people that do, like, firewalking, you know, where they walk across burning coals. And it's just because they believe so much that they've been... In, like a spirit has entered them that they they can just do it. They can just shut off their ability to feel pain and stuff. So even they could have even worked that with like the lady lets herself get hung at the end because she believes so much that she's going to carry on. And maybe they've even like brainwashed the daughter so that she really believes she is the new incarnation. Like you could have done that without having to actually have black magic. But once Absolutely. you once you start to introduce the idea that there really is magic, I'm like... I don't know. At that point, you might as well just go all the way and make a, you know, a witchcraft film <laughs> or something. But sure. Um, I don't know. They made some interesting film choices, to be sure. Hmm. Um, I was gonna say, you know, Mona Fandy, literally, her last words were, "I will never die," and I think that's where they get the idea for this side plot. Ah, like her right? spirit just goes, yeah. Yeah, I can't think. Person. Yeah, that makes the most sense. I mean, because despite what they say, it was absolutely based on Mona Fandy. Yeah, it and, definitely was. Yeah, and I mean, they didn't outwardly deny it. They just said that it was very loosely based. And it's like, eh, it's pretty close, though. I am a little curious to find out, like, what the real Mona Fandy was like. Because this character in the movie... I definitely found like she was uh, like if you really were super confident, I don't think you would quite act like this. This woman did like I think you'd be a little more low key and a little more confident where she was always acting like uh, it reminded me of like drama students when you're in high school that are always just kind of floaty and kind of in their own world. And she's like, Haha, I'm so cool and I'm so powerful and I'm so above it all. And it's like, calm down, lady. <laughs> like, you're, <laughs> you're really pushing this idea real hard. I hate to tell you, Keith, but I think you'll find that that's kind of how she was. Okay, well, that's good because, I mean, yeah, it's better if, because uh, obviously this is, not that this is based on a real person, but, <laughs> but I like I like hearing that it's how, you know, because that makes it a good acting choice if that's how the real person was. If if they weren't, then it's a bad acting choice. Right. Yeah, no, she was um, definitely like that. Yeah, she totally was. Like I was saying earlier uh, with, the costumes, I mean, well, costumes, the outfits that she wore to court, she's very flamboyant and not at all remorseful. But and more, she you know, smiles creepily, ugh, the oh whole time. Oh my god, we will post pictures on the Instagram, but, ugh, it's this like, woman's terrifying looking. Yeah, she does that uh, thing where they say, uh, now smile without your eyes and raise your eyebrows. Yeah. And that's your model face. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. 
yeah, she also had a facelift, so it makes oh, yeah. it even creepier because her face is like just stretched back, like mm-hmm. in this creepy smile. Not a good facelift, and she was only like thirty-eight when she got it. So really, yeah. And I don't know how she got it so fast because they were caught pretty quickly. Yeah, she I know. Just she got went it. in like the next day. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so I was listening to another podcast that talked about this, and they were saying, they made a good point, um, they were saying that a lot of those Asian countries over there, um, like, especially in, like, Korea, you can just kind of walk in and get seen that day in some places. For, oh, wow. Depending on what the surgery is, yeah. Okay, because I was wondering how she got it so quick. Yeah, I mean, she also could have, considering she dealt with shady people, she also could have known, like, a back alley, whatever kind of surgeon, you know? It kind of was a back alley-looking kind of job. It does look like a back alley job. It's not good. No. Her face is not good. It's terrifying. She looks like a ghoul. Yeah, she does. (laughs) She really embraced that. She did. She embraced it full force. Um, The woman in the film is... Like Hollywood, much prettier. Oh, here we go. I finally yeah. had to. When I heard she looks like a ghoul, I'm like, all right, I'm I'm googling this shit, and it's like, yeah, you're not wrong. I know. <laughs> she really. Does. I know. Oh man, yeah, it's like the Joker smile. Like she just has this really, like her uh, ch- her cheeks are so uh, defined that it looks kind of like Heath Ledger's Joker. Like there's just this <laughs> extra bit to her mouth. That's weird. Yeah, her mouth is unnaturally wide. Yeah. Yeah, she's terrifying. Okay, so shall we take a quick break? And uh, then Morgan's going to really go into the fun details of Mona Fandy's. Yeah. Yeah. Mo. Uh-huh. You going to tell us about... Do I mean, I told us about Dukan. Are you going <laughs> to tell us about Mona Fandy? Yeah, the one who's not based... At- what the movie's not based on. <laughs> yeah, let's just talk about Mona Fandy for no particular reason. Just yeah, fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah. just yeah, funsies. No coincidence at all. Total coincidence. <laughs> okay, so uh, Mona Fandy was actually born Mazna Ismail. I'm probably going to butcher some of these names. Um, but she also was known as a BOMO which in Malay tradition is a uh, shaman or a traditional medicine practitioner. So a BOMO would be like someone you went to um, for like uh, luck or love or uh, medical issues too. So you could go to them, pay them, and they could help make your life better, Um, whether it be financially, spiritually, or in the the love section or making babies, they were the ones who did um, alternate kinds of traditional medicine, I guess. Um, it's kind so, of like what the hippie with the crystals would do for you here. Yeah, let me align your chakras. <laughs> let me give you a Reiki session. Yeah, your aura is just kind of dark. We need to lighten it up, you know, take some layers off. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, like Reiki and 
um, stuff like that. Sorry to people who um, buy into that. <laughs> um, we don't believe in it. We mean no disrespect. Yeah, and if my friend who does Reiki is listening, you know I love you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, we love you. Yeah, please keep listening. <laughs> Donna, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she was, like Anna was talking about, how she was a pop star. Uh, she actually released an album called Diana. Uh which also nods to the Diana in the movie. Um, I mean, just coincidence, I guess. Um, (laughs) so she was born in 1956. Um, her pop singer career was pretty short. Her husband was her manager, um, and gave her the nickname Mona Fandy. Um, and that was what she went by after afterwards. So when she realized that her pop star career wasn't going to take off, she decided to do the next best thing, um, was to become involved with witchcraft um, and become a shaman. Because that is what all pop stars go to if their careers are failing, apparently. Um, so she ended up offering... Um, services to high uh, people place people in high places like politicians um, rich people um, affluent people it definitely uh, political um, politically involved people so she would like claim that she could better their lives by making them higher up in uh, the Malaysian government. Um, And that's where she met her victim. um, Oh, what was his name? Oh, my God. This dude? (laughs) (laughs) Do Do you know his name? I didn't write it on his name. I have her husband's name. Anyway. The dude that she killed? Yeah. It's Maslin? Maslin Idris. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Um, so he, he was uh, a state assemblyman and he was running for like a, I don't know what they call it. I guess it would be like a mayor um, of the state of Pahang. Um, he wanted to boost his political career. So he contacted Mona for assistance with the black magic. And um, so her and her husband and her assistant, um, Jarami Hassan, and her husband was Mohammed Noor Afandi Abdul Rahman. Um, they said they were going to help Maslan if he promised to give them $2.5 million RM, which was like, I think it was 200 and something thousand dollars that I figured it out. So they were saying that they were going to make him invincible. Um, so he gave them a deposit of 500,000, I think equaled to like 50,000, something like that. Um, and also gave them some land titles. Um, and after the 
ritual, he was going to pay them the rest. Um, so he made this appointment with Mona and he went to their house and um, it was for like a cleansing ritual. Um, and then like, I don't have much of how her career like into this, how long she was doing this because this, this case is so long, but I don't know the time frame of when she quit her pop career and then started doing witchcraft. Um, but she went like real hard on it. I was like, give me $200,000. Because I feel like that's a high price for a brand new um, shaman to like put out there. I agree. Yeah. I wonder that's... though, being like a sort of pop star, I wonder how much that helps. Because like if I was going to go to a shaman anyway and one of them was vitamin C, like I'd be like, <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> that's who I'm going with. $200,000. Hell yeah. <laughs> hold on. Hold on, Keith. <laughs> Vitamin C? Where did that come from? I was just trying to think of somebody who, you know, is definitely not famous anymore. I don't know what she's up to these days, but, you know. <laughs> okay, you I can't believe I know this, but I know what she's up to. Oh, really? How? What? what she, she, does, she does music for Nickelodeon. Oh, nice. Wow. Look at you. I, Pop I, culture. Um... Look, uh, let's just say I've Googled her in the past two years and it's semi-fresh on the brain. She has, here's, a, here's a vitamin C deep cut for you. On that same album with Graduation, there was a song called Unhappy Anniversary. And it was like a pop country song about like it's the anniversary of the day they broke up. And it's so good. Oh, my God. I remember that song. Yeah, I, I had that too. fucking album. I did too. <laughs> she also had a song called Me, Myself, and I. Nice. Isn't that and about masturbation? That I can depend on. What? That, that was about masturbation. Was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Don't tell Nickelodeon. <laughs> Don't tell Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Morgan. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, vitamin, vitamin C is the funniest name you can pull. <laughs> She also had that bright orange hair to match her name. Yeah, I know. She definitely had her doses of vitamin C. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anyway, the um, Fanday said that she was going to make him invisible. Invincible, not invisible. <laughs> so that's different. Um, and she said that if he had a talisman like a king or a sandcock, which is those little uh, rounded hats, um, then he could bring them and she could bless them and then make him invincible. So I don't know if he actually brought any of these things with him. There's not much information on that. Um, but uh, they filled the room with frankincense and they lit it with a kerosene lamp. And then they had Daku Jeffrey Giolani, right? I'm butchering it. Uh, they laid him down um, face up on a floor with flower petals and herbs around him. And his palms were facing upwards. And... Uh, she asked if he had followed the prohibitions, which were like no sex, um, 
drinking water and I, I think wearing white like I think all of those things were the ones that he couldn't partake in and being that he was Muslim he probably wasn't drinking anyway like it was like abstained from alcohol as well um so I don't think he would do that anyway um how hard was that for this guy <laughs> I a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> I mean, maybe he did it, and magic's not real. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess we never really. That is true. I'm just assuming, like, well, if he just did it, he'd be invincible. What an idiot. <laughs> yeah, he'd still have his head. <laughs> so <laughs> he was laying on the floor um, looking up, and she told him to close his eyes. And that's when her assistant, oh, sorry. She said, imagine money flowing down on you as she dropped like flower petals on him. And he was closing his eyes. And that's when her assistant came up and just decapitated him with an ax. (laughs) (laughs) So he was not invincible because he immediately died. Um, and from that that point, sorry, I'm trying to, I just exit out of my notes. Um, so at that point, he was dead. They decided to chop his body into 18 pieces. Um, and they dispersed them around and put them in a uh, concrete, like, hole in the ground. And they buried them. It was like inside of a storeroom underneath the ground and then covered it up with concrete. Um, And so after that, oh, they also skinned him at some point. They, They dismembered and skinned him. And then at this point, they withdrew some money uh, or they had the 300,000 RMs that they gave him. And Mona immediately went out on a shopping spree. She bought a Mercedes Benz and had a facelift. Um, And that was on the 10th when I think it was the 10th he was murdered. Or no, sorry, the 18th around midnight. 10 p.m. and midnight is when they think that the crime occurred. So this is between 10 and 12 on July 18th, 1993. Um, And then on July 22nd, 
the police found his body and Mona and her husband and the assistant Jeremy were arrested and then this all exploded into the news like every it was like the hottest trial ever um it was actually like the biggest trial of Malaysia around this time which it ended up like Anna said earlier it changed a lot of laws uh it also changed a law where they used to have trials by jury but after this case, they decided to get rid of the jury because it was just such a circus. Um, and there was just like so much crazy stuff that happened in the case. So uh, they decided to get rid of juries. I don't know how I feel about that, but they, they do their yeah, thing. Really Although I guess if your juries all believe in black magic, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe that's a problem because <laughs> I did. I respected that in the movie that, uh, you know, they made an okay case of like, yeah, okay, she definitely cut this guy's head off, but she didn't think that was going to happen. And the jury was kind of like, oh, maybe black magic. And I like that the uh, the judge was just like, no, nah, she cut her, she cut a dude's head off. We're, that's it. <laughs> like, yeah, we're not... I thought they were going to like let her go in the movie. But yeah. I, I remember the beginning where she had the lipstick. But yeah. Oh, speaking of the lipstick. um. I was I was looking at different pictures throughout the trial and like all the times and everything. So when she was first arrested, the police were not wearing lipstick. And I know this is just such a minor detail, but she did love her red lipstick. Uh, would you say the the color of the blood of her enemies? Or something? Her no, the blood of her victims. <laughs> yeah, the blood of her victims. Um, <laughs> So in some of the court pictures, you can see all the women because she was in like a women's prison. So all of the um, the guards and everything were women and they were handcuffed to her throughout her like one side. Uh, like she had handcuffs and was handcuffed to two people. Um, so every time she was led back and forth between the courts, she had these women attached to her wrists. Well, throughout the court case, I noticed that they started wearing red lipstick. <laughs> I don't know if it was like the style at the time, but they're all wearing red lipstick at the very end. And they're actually all smiling in like all the photos. And Fande is always fucking smiling. Um, it's really creepy she would like laugh during the court she would be smiling she'd wave and blow kisses at people like she was just all about herself um so she she was already famous due to being a pop singer um so then this just impounded like or you know blew up uh on the international media and all the media within malaysia um, there was even like anti-death penalty movements because they knew that she was up for being, uh, executed, um, for the death penalty. And so during the court, um, they actually had a seven person jury and it was 38 days long. Um, and they were all found guilty. Um, let me see. Yeah, uh, in less than 70 minutes, they reached a unanimous verdict of guilty. And after 
Mona heard the verdict, she said, I'm happy and thank you to all Malaysians. So she was just like super happy to die, I guess. Like she never once was like sad or anything. She was just like, yeah, I'm going to, what'd she say? I'm going to live forever. She said, I will never die. I'll never die. So, um, she really thought she would never die. (laughs) I do believe she really thought that. I mean, Um, she was, if she wasn't, she had the best poker face of all time. (laughs) Uh, you mean Joker face? Yeah. Yes. We're on fire tonight, guys. Man, though, that is impressive that I didn't realize it was that far back that, like, if that happened in 93 and they were still so upset by 2006 that they wouldn't put out the movie, like, I feel like we get over stuff within, like, two months <laughs> nowadays, yeah, no matter how crazy it is. have a lot of high-profile crimes. <laughs> yeah. And it was, like, a massive case, too, and it changed a lot of laws. Sorry, it was 65 days long, and there were 76 witnesses, um called to testify um so yeah and i think it's because she has a daughter and her daughter's living and it is malaysia because i know their respect for her daughter yeah it was out of respect for the family is what i read somewhere um because of her daughter's like i mean not in the spotlight but they kind of have kept her in the spotlight after all of this like there's pictures of her online if you type Mm. in her daughter she pops up um and they're like pretty new pictures so I, th- I think that's why they like you know um uh, like didn't release it in time um and also she was kept in prison until 2001 um so this was like 90 93 to 2001 so there were all these different things that came up with appeals and whatnot and um they definitely lost the appeal and they were all hung at the same time i think sorry there's like some good articles and then bad articles and i didn't take the best of notes <laughs> i apologize to the listeners it's um, okay because i did probably around the same um, research that you did. And there's just, you know, lots of Malaysian. There's just, there's not a ton out there, honestly. Yeah, I'm I saw... Sure you did your best. <laughs> um, I saw this thing on Cora about their execution. It says, before dawn on the Friday morning, the trio were each handcuffed and hooded in their holding cells adjacent to the execution chamber and then led to the gallows with its three British-style nooses dangling from the metal beam. On the traps, their legs were strapped, and the nooses adjusted around their necks, and at 5.59, the drop fell, and the three of them plummeted down. Yeah, it does sound like it's a lot more similar than usual. Like, a lot of times, the horror and the reality don't really line up with, you know, the movies you guys do. But this one, I mean, obviously the B plot was all made up and they sped up the thing at the end. There was no lengthy appeals, but mostly it's pretty similar sounding. Yeah. Yeah. Even though none of this was. 
<laughs> the basis of this movie, none of it. Out of respect, this is all fiction. It's yeah. funny, though, to think with the B plot, with the stuff with the daughter inheriting the spirit and stuff, where it's like the most sensationalistic, craziest thing that ever happened. But they're like, you know, though, let's spice it up a little. <laughs> let's add it to stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty crazy that the guy was just like, well, that was in the movie, sorry. He had no idea in real life. Um, But in the movie, he's like, yeah, this sword's not going to hurt me. (laughs) But in real life, she's like, close your eyes. Here's some flower petals. They're going to, money's going to fall from the sky. Um, But yeah, I was looking at the axe and it's not like a, I was like looking at a lot of pictures, um, but the axe, ugh, it just looks so scary and brutal and animalistic. It's one of those tiny axes. Like a hatchet? Yeah. All right. It wasn't like a wood cutting axe. Or what Christian Bale murdered Jared Leto with in American Psycho? <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess if the person did become invincible, what was supposed to happen? Like the axe would just bounce off their neck or something? <laughs> I, I guess. It's gonna You're hit like her Luke Cage. <laughs> Bulletproof yeah. skin. I feel like they didn't really think it through that hard. <laughs> That's I, weird. No. I, oh, yeah. maybe the axe would shatter. Oh, yeah. That would be That's cool. That's true. That would be cool. <laughs> I feel like that is what happens when like a bullet or something like that hits Luke Cage's skin. Going yeah, back to shatter. Reference. You'd be like, oh my god, my <laughs> I, eye. It's in my eye. I certainly eye. hope when they did the, the trial, I hope they brought up Luke Cage. I <laughs> think <laughs> they did. Because, <laughs> I mean, that was an established comic, but I don't know how well it was known um, in Malaysia. <laughs> Your Honor, sure. I'd like to uh, <laughs> bring up <laughs> issue 391 of Luke Cage. I'll allow it. <laughs> I want to see where he's going with this. Oh, yeah. Speaking of this, this trial or this crime, it still carries on, and she is now a ghost, apparently, in oh, yeah. the oh, yeah. lore of Malaysia. Mm. So they say uh, that uh, people have claimed to see Mona at night near their house or around the prison where she was staying. Um, and they said that the spirit is still strong and it can't vanish. Um, and then one woman said that her house uh, is said to be haunted by spirits as a result of the black magic that she practiced while living there. And those who have ventured into the house agree that the house carries a very dark energy that is undeniable. I actually watched part of one of those tours on YouTube. What? And I mean, nothing happened. And it was all in Malaysia. So I don't know what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> there was probably a lot of stuff that happened, but you're like, I can't understand what they're saying. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. Because when you watch Ghost Hunters or something, it I also never looks ghosts. like anything happens, but then they're like, oh, something happened. I freaking love Zach Bagans. <laughs> he is amazing. 
this is not the first time we've talked about Zach Baggins on this show. I, I think. love him. <laughs> if he's listening, we'll have you as a guest too. <laughs> I mean, if you'll have a Zach, I know you're a busy man. Oh, he's great. He's With dating your hipster up. glasses. Yeah, he's dating uh, the Playboy Bunny. Um, what's her face? From the mansion, the bunnies. Like one of the ones that was one of Hef's girlfriends on like that reality yeah. show. Yeah, she was the serious one. Um, Holly? Yeah. He's dating Holly? Yeah, he's dating Holly. I can't believe I watched The Girls Next Door. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> I even had like a Playboy Bunny shirt and I was probably like 12. <laughs> Classy. So bad. <laughs> Classy. <laughs> I distinctly remember people... Um, like around our age, um, in the early 2000s, going to tanning beds oh, and God. putting a Playboy Bunny sticker on their stomach oh, so yeah. that there was a white outline of a bunny, the Playboy Bunny, on their stomach. I had friends do that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let me just say, the early 2000s were a um, classy period of time. <laughs> Super classy. <Very> classy. <laughs> oh god. Mm. So Morgan, Keith, what uh, what have you guys been doing the uh, past couple of weeks? What have you watched? What have you read? What have you listened to? Man, Keith, let me you tell you. First. Yeah, man. Uh, my my whole world is falling apart. Where? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Keith. Where, me and my friends started doing this uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. We're like, yeah, it's a good excuse to hang out because I'm in New Brunswick. They're in Toronto. So let's just watch old Buffy episodes. And we did season one and it was a good, good old time. And then all of these allegations came out like a week and a half ago of like half of the people who worked on that show hated Joss Whedon, the main dude. And he was just a total asshole. And just like, and like, oh, man, like. I don't want to do this podcast anymore. Everyone hated being on that show. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's oh. kind of a bummer. So that's all that's been up with me. But I think my Buffy podcast is done. <laughs> oh. That's it's... not the first time I've heard something about Joss Whedon like that, though. Yeah, things have been popping up. Like his ex-wife had a big thing about how he's a fake feminist and don't trust him. He's a two-faced weirdo. But mm -hmm. this one was... This one was way worse, where one of the main actresses wrote a big thing about how terrible he was for years and years. And uh, the creepy part, this hasn't, like, there could still be more to come out, but uh, there was a girl who played Buffy's little sister on the show, who was, like, 15 when she was on the show. Michelle Trachtenberg. Yeah, and she said, like, she corroborated that this guy was the worst and stuff, and she, it was real cryptic, but she, she just said, like, I don't want to get into the details, but we had a rule on set that me and him weren't allowed to be in the same room alone together. And I'm like, oh, that can't know. be good. That's so bad. Let's just, let's just bail out on this podcast right now, because, like, as bad as <laughs> things seem, I think they're going to get way worse. Yeah, I, I read about that. It was crazy. Yeah, brutal. I'm... So I'm really just upset because he ruined my podcast. Thanks a lot, Joss Whedon. You jerk. Yeah. That was a fun podcast. You jerk with your big baby size head. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he does have a huge head. He has a massive head. <laughs> yeah. All well, the better you to know... stare at 15 year olds with. <laughs> oh. 
uh, <laughs> or something. Who knows? Allegedly. Oh, do you guys remember Pete and Pete? Yes. She was on Pete and Pete. She was the one with her arm in the sling. Yes. I forget the cast. Loved that. I want the show. Uh, what is it? The Esmeralda? He's like, dance, Esmeralda. The tattoo. Oh, yeah, the tattoo. <laughs> it was like a mermaid. Yeah, the mermaid. <laughs> uh, that was a great show. Yeah, I remember um, one episode is like, uh, they're trying to figure out who is peeing in the pool because the pool keeps having to be shut down to be cleaned. So they put this like chemical in there. So if you pee, then the chemical will change and <laughs> they're trying to catch the the phantom peer. And so one dude pees. He's like making fun of someone saying that they're the pool peer. And then he doesn't know that the chemicals in there and it's like purple all around him. So, yeah, I was always scared to pee in the pool. And I was not a pool peer. I remember that episode. Yeah. Um, It's a good PSA for kids not to pee in the pool. Absolutely. Did you know that uh, Danny Tamborelli and Michael C. Marona, the titular characters, Pete and Pete, have a podcast called The Adventures of Danny and Mike? Oh, that's so cute. No, I did not. And and you know what's even better? It's on the last podcast network. What? Yep. That's pretty cool. I've got to listen to that. Yeah. So like Tamborelli. Henry and the ganger, his boss, I guess. (laughs) Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, right. That's fun. That's just fun. Um, Morgan, what have you been up to? Oh, a whole lot of nothing. Um, I just started watching The Magicians. Oh, I've never seen that, actually. It's actually pretty good. I like it. Yeah? It can be silly at times, but I like it. Is there any recognizable faces on there? Uh, not, not really. Okay. What's it no. About? I know nothing about this show. What's so it, it was on sci-fi, like, and it's based on a book like The Magicians, um, by Michael London, uh, or no, by Lev Grossman, sorry. Mm, Um, But it released in May of 2015, and the final episode was like um, in January 2019, I think, or 2020. Um, But yeah, it's about this guy that enrolls into a magical school called Breakbills University so he can be trained as a magician and then he realizes that this world that it's like a book within a book um, he realizes that his favorite childhood book is real and it is like sinister and so he's trying to save the people and the school and magic and i probably gave the worst synopsis of this ever (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) it's fine so his best friend and like the love of his life or i mean i think they they need to bang it out but he's banging some other girl sorry spoilers um (laughs) but she was gonna get into break bills but failed one of the tests so she's like doing this like back alley magic and it's so funny because they're like you're addicted 
And she's not doing drugs or anything, but it sounds like she's doing heroin. <laughs> but she's not. She's just doing like back alley tricks. Like that's funny. Back alley magic tricks. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty good. I'm only on like season. I think I just got to season two. So excellent. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good. I like it. Okay. It's, it's magic, not black magic, I guess. Have you uh, had any fun snacks? Mm, beside black-eyed peas and mayonnaise? <laughs> <laughs> well, our listeners don't know about that. <laughs> so, yeah, in, um, in Mississippi, where I'm from, my granddaddy told, told me when I was real young about this food. Every time I'd go over his house, he'd make it for me. Those black-eyed peas mixed with mayonnaise. Oh, so fucking good. And, yeah, I've been eating that. I just finished it today. I ate, like, over a pound of peas. Oh, my (laughs) God. So much peas and mayonnaise. I know. Like, I I made a a pound, like, of dry peas and put, like, pork fat in there and, and cooked it down for a long time and... I've just been eating it like every day. <laughs> I mean, I I know what that's like. When I make a meal that I like a lot, I will eat it ever all, all the leftovers for as long as possible. Yeah, it's so like, good. It sounds disgusting, but I think I don't think anybody should knock it before they try it. It's so good. I'm a little bit repelled, but I've never had it so. I don't so, think I've ever had black eyed peas. Like I know they're a thing, but I really just know that the band. <laughs> you know? Oh my god. Really, Keith. Yeah, I just feel like that's not a Canadian staple. I mean, I I'm sure we've got them. I just have to go buy some. Oh, you know what? We need to send you like a thing of Cajun black eyed peas. Oh man. I really You're gonna eat black eyed peas. Go Cajun. I don't I don't know if those would keep, Anna. No, you like they have <laughs> like I remember like uh Cajun Black Magic that brand had the seasonings in the with a bag of dry oh, beans. Yeah, they have them um oh man. Um there's a brand they sell them um at the food line down the road from me, which I thought was crazy. Okay. It's like a Cajun brand, and I saw black eyed peas there. Yeah, see, like that. Yeah, That's t- that totally keeps. That is very shippable. Yeah, and it's good. It's still good. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, we'll send you that. <laughs> of all the things, too, uh, of all the things I've Googled today, I'm like black eyed peas. Like, what are? What do they look like? I must have had them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And then Fergie just pops up, and you're like, no. Yeah, no, actually, uh, yeah, Google's doing pretty good. It's mostly the food, mostly. (laughs) Good job, Google. It's not like my humps, my lovely lady humps. Yeah, if I had made this search in 2008, you can forget about the the food. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Oh, goodness. Uh, I used to, with my grandma in Atlanta, there used to be a restaurant called the Black Eyed Pea. And the sign was one giant black eyed pea. I don't even remember what the food was like there because I haven't <laughs> been. There. Well, I haven't been there since I was like three or four. I just remember the huge sign and going there. Um, 
I feel like if it stayed open longer, I would probably remember it better. Because she also used to take me to Cracker Barrel and Waffle House. And I remember what those places are like. Do you know why? Because they're still open. (laughs) (laughs) And they're everywhere. Well, Waffle Houses aren't everywhere because they're not here in New York. And it's really depressing. Oh, man. I miss Waffle House. I've had uh, um, some, like, African black eyed peas which was a lot different like how they cook them sounds good though like what were the spices it's like mashed up and it's it's like ground and then put a lot of seasoning i don't remember what seasonings but there's like onions and peppers in it sounds um, really good. <laughs> yeah it's pretty good i've had that before and then um there's lobia which is like an egyptian food that I've had. And that's Black Eyed Peas. Nice. Well, Morgan, now I'm going to have to look up Black Eyed Pea recipes and do stuff. Yeah, there's so much out there. <laughs> well, I mean, I, um, you know, I experiment with food, but, like, I haven't gotten experimental with Black Eyed Peas specifically. <laughs> yeah, man, they're cheap. I'm yes, all up. Are. I'm all about, like, dried peas and beans and stuff. Oh, I know. I have seen your Instagram. food um dude so uh we're recording this on thursday the 18th yesterday was ash wednesday which means that tuesday was mardi gras or fast knock depending on your culture or nothing depending on your culture oh yeah Uh, and today is national wine day Woo! not drinking anything though because Tuesday was Mardi Gras. <laughs> um, I woke up Wednesday morning with the biggest hangover. Okay, so it's not for Lent. It's for the fact that <laughs> you're perpetually hungover. Yeah, I'm just scared to drink again for a minute. <laughs> I, I need a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a religious thing at all. It's just self-care. Because uh, I, so Mark and his brother, um, they've never had Mardi Gras, like, food. Oh. Um, they didn't know what a hand grenade was. They've never Ooh. had. Keith, had... do you know what a hand grenade is? No. Morgan, tell him what a hand grenade is. Hand grenade is a drink full of regrets. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, yes, it is made with the cheapest liquor ever. Um, and it can uh, rot your gut. <laughs> um, so it is a shot or it's like, um, three fourths of a shot of gin, three fourths of a shot of vodka, three fourths of a shot of white rum and, uh, three fourths of a shot of Everclear. And then, um, a shot and a half of Midori or cheaper melon liqueur and a shot and a half of pineapple juice and a squirt of lime and a lime garnish or if you're in new orleans it's in a giant plastic thing that looks like a grenade that has exploded upwards yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like a handle say, <laughs> it sounds delicious but yeah you'd need a serious like vessel <laughs> to hold all that stuff <laughs> uh-huh uh-huh it's a lot, and it's mostly booze, if you couldn't tell. 
Um, much like a Long Island iced tea, it has very little that isn't booze in it. So you get super drunk off of two. Yeah. Like shit-faced off of two. Um, and I had two, and I felt not good the next day. Like oh, I was, bet. Oh, God. Like, I was so dehydrated that it didn't want to, like, come up fully, so it, like, got stuck in the back of my throat. Oh. Sorry if that's TMI, guys, but that's what happened. Mm. Um, and my throat burned for hours after that. No matter how much I gargled, I could not get it to leave me. Fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah, great times. <laughs> it was great. But you know what? They loved my king cake. So, yeah. Yeah, the king, <laughs> king cakes are the best. The last time, like, a drink really snuck up on me was, uh, like, about six months before COVID, I went to Japan, which, like, thank God I got some traveling in oh, before awesome. all that stuff. That's awesome. But, uh, you can just buy stuff at the convenience stores there. And uh, it's just like, okay, whatever, I'll just grab this. It's like, it looks like a Mike's Hard Lemonade or whatever. It just costs $2. It doesn't seem like a big deal. It's in a big tall can. And then next thing I know, I'm like stumbling around and everything is all like magical. And I'm like, what is happening? And I looked closer at the can and it was like 9%. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's, uh, it's called Strong Zero. And yeah, it was delicious, but so cheap and so strong. Did it come out of one of those? Um, don't they have the machines there? For yeah, I, I the only time I saw a machine though where you could get alcohol was like in the lobby of a hotel. I think they, you know, just because like it's weird. Even at the convenience store, you just have to. This little thing pops up on the screen that's a little cartoon person asking if you're 21, and you just press yes. <laughs> like, and it's like, oh, yay! Yeah, they, they barely care, but they care just. To, enough that yeah they don't just put booze in in the <laughs> in the machines out in the world <laughs> so i have to ask did your toilet talk to you or make a beeping <laughs> noise the craziest thing about the toilets so uh most of the airbnbs i stayed at just had normal toilets they weren't fancy so uh it's the only time in the world that i looked forward to the washrooms at the at the subway station because they were so clean and so well-maintained. And those were the super awesome ones that had bidets and like music and just all the stuff they could do. Oh, that's so, so like, crazy. Yeah, because compared to like Grand Central Station or some shit where you just like you take your life into your hands using those bathrooms. Yeah, in Japan, no. it was like, awesome. I get to use the bathroom at the subway station. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. the cleanest. <laughs> it was an adventure. really bizarre. Yeah, it was awesome. We, uh... We got a bidet. We haven't installed it yet, but we got a bidet. It's oh. sweet. Like, I never used one until Japan, but I'm like, this, it makes sense. I Life like changing. It. Life changing. You yeah. save on toilet paper. It's great. Although Sorry. I did set it to, uh, I set it though to like the lowest pressure because the first time I used it, it was set to full and I didn't even <laughs> check. And it kind of stung. Like, that is, that's some serious pressure. That's some sh shocking shit. <laughs> <laughs> You can get a, a, what do you call it? A colonic while you're there. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like most of my Japan stories are about bathrooms in some ways. <laughs> like, uh, like they did have those squat toilets where there's no toilet at all. And every once in a while, there was just nothing else around. So I had to learn how to do that. That was oh, unpleasant. What? So you had and, to like uh, stand over? Yeah. You, the main, the most important thing I found is you got to make sure when you pull down your jeans, like pull them down past your knees because otherwise your pockets will turn upside down and all oh. your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So That's be careful no of that. Good. 
Oh. The other thing that was oh. awesome is I was at this uh, this hostel in Tokyo where at first it was a bunch of people for like golden week, but then it just became not the tourist season. I stayed there for like a whole month. So it was just me in this like two-story hostel all by myself. It was awesome. So I had a toilet with the toilet seat up and another room with a toilet with the toilet seat down. And I just walked to whatever toilet I wanted. <laughs> it was That's like amazing. I was the king of Tokyo. It was amazing. <laughs> the king of Tokyo. Uh... Keith, can I just say that sounds like the setting of a Japanese horror film? <laughs> just you alone. It in was a crazy. story hostel. It was so awesome because like I just got it because it was cheap. It was like twenty-three or twenty-four dollars a night. And at first, yeah, it was packed with people. And I'm like, well, that's what you get. And I never could have guessed that it just it just emptied out. Like and the weekends there'd be some people, but during the week I had this whole place to myself for like $23 a night. It's like, this is the best. It's so cool. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, you just can't like predict that that'll happen. It just sometimes it does and it's wicked. Yeah, hey, hey. That's, that's the best. Sometimes it turns out like Eli Roth's movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I had a kind of not about toilets, but a similar um, experience in Canada. Because the Formula One was there on our first night. So it was so slammed that um, one of our reservations was like non-existent. So um, I had to sleep in a bunk bed with Andrew, like in the tiny twin mattress. And they like comped our night and everything. So we were like really worried that we were going to have to share this bed the whole time. But then the next day everybody left because they were there for Formula One and the beer fest. So, yeah, and it was in um, uh, Montreal. So we had the whole hostel to ourselves. And they would cook oh, us nice. breakfast, lunch, and dinner because we were the only ones there, and it was their house, oh, too. Nice. So Yeah, if you can manage to travel <laughs> in, like, unpopular times, it's the best. Like, I mean, I don't know how long it'll take for COVID stuff to clear up. This is probably wishful thinking, but I'm hoping if they do the Tokyo Olympics like they're planning to, I'm going to wait until after that when everyone leaves. <laughs> and then that's when I'm going to try to go. But I think that might still be too time. early. Yeah, that'd be great. Ugh. Oh, I want to go to Japan. Yeah, it was so fun. I was all set to go back and then fucking COVID. <laughs> COVID. I was even like in like February. I have a friend who's still there. It's weird. He was just visiting to take like, courses and stuff uh and he got trapped because of covid he's been there a whole extra year so he's actually kind of into it because <laughs> he was supposed to get booted out and they're like yeah, i guess you can just keep staying because of covid oh wow but, uh, but yeah in, in february i was talking about going to visit him and then the world fucking fell apart <laughs> i know um you know where i really want to go where where Svalbard. what Svalbard. Spell it. <laughs> S S V A L B A R D. Svalbard. Svalbard. Oh, I'm googling that because I've never heard of that. Oh my god, Morgan, it's magical. Oh my I'm gonna, god. I'm, I'm gonna guess Sweden, maybe. No, Norway. Oh okay. Oh my god, they have polar bears. No, thank you. Yes, they do. Ugh. They'll rip your. Body it is. Well, if you stay within the... They usually don't go within the village or whatever. So, you know, there's that. Um, so, Svalbard 
is the northernmost city in the world. What? Yeah. That's why you can see polar bears there and reindeer. That is the, and then like fungi, those are the only living things besides people there. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I've never even heard of it. Oh, okay. So I'm obsessed with it. Let me take you down this rabbit hole of how I got obsessed with Svalbard. <laughs> yeah, is, it, is it like its own little island? Is that what I'm seeing here? Kind of, yeah. That's crazy. So I'm looking at it. But I see a polar bear coming out of someone's window. So you lied. <laughs> <laughs> it's uncommon. <laughs> like people don't die. Don't, like there's not a high amount of polar bear attacks there. So yeah. just saying, like it's not as dangerous as you would think. You're more likely to freeze to death there than get attacked by a polar bear. <laughs> Just so that makes you feel better. <laughs> um, but so here's how I became obsessed with it. So I was listening to an episode of Stuff to Blow Your Mind. And they were talking about Svalbard. Um, and they also mentioned this show called Fortitude that's on Amazon. And it takes place basically in Svalbard. They don't call it Svalbard on the show, but I mean, it's Svalbard. Um, it's all Svalbard is also the location of the like international seed storage. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, oh, where they put the seeds. Yes. Just in case. I mean, when we all die, <laughs> <laughs> they'll have it in a vault, right? It's the vault. Yeah, it's the global seed vault. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's in Svalbard. And um, you can see, you know, the northern lights there and everything. And there's actually a really cool restaurant there where, that a guy uses, like, only local ingredients. Oh, is that from the chef's table? No, it's not from the chef's table. It's from the history of food on Curiosity Stream. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Not a plug for Curiosity Stream. They are not paying us, but they could be. <laughs> yet. They're not paying <laughs> us yet. Yet. I'm paying them while Mark is. <laughs> now you're wanting me to go. I want to go there. It's so cool. I'm obsessed. It's my dream place to go. Yeah, this seems sweet. I'm going to definitely do some YouTubing later because I can't remember the name of the <laughs> place anymore but there's a place in northern finland that i was all into and looking at but this is way more northern than that <laughs> so. yeah crazy also this year i did the 23 and me thing and found out that i have a significant swedish not swedish uh, norwegian ancestry yeah, and i had no clue <laughs> <laughs> so uh that just makes it even cooler man this is yeah this is impressive because like I mean, Canada's pretty northern, you know, but I'm looking right. at this little map and, uh, man, this is way further north, <laughs> like yeah, insanely crazy. far. I yeah. think like you'll it... still be warm, though, if you go, won't you? Are you acclimated to cold? Oh, I totally am. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm amazing with cold, <laughs> so I'd be good. I've only been living in the north for like two and a half years and I've acclimated so well, but I think it's partially because I get hot flash. Oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not acclimated at all. <laughs> I have, like, 
I am like a native. I talk about like when it's like 40 degrees. Oh, it's warm. I can wear shorts. <laughs> yeah, no. That's not me. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, I've taken to New York well, I think. <laughs> yeah, I get like freezing cold around 4 a.m. at work, like on the night shift that um, I work with a two women who are pregnant. And they get hot flashes, and I get cold whenever they get hot. So uh, they let me put my hands on their their neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would let you too in a heartbeat. I put Mark's cold hands on my neck and stuff. Yeah, he's always I'm he's, freezing. We joke that I'm the heater, so you know you have to scooch close close to me to get warm. <laughs> <laughs> It's weird too. I've kind of noticed with like Canadians in general, it's like not that we don't get cold. It's the same as everyone else. It's just something. It just doesn't click in our brains to comment on it or to pay attention. <laughs> like we're just freezing to death, but we just don't think we are. Or we don't act like we are. It's weird. Whereas yeah, once it gets hot, that's when I'm just dying. That's when I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, I understand that though I grew up in Mississippi where it's incredibly fucking hot down there during the summer and humid as all hell and that's part of you know why I like living up here because it's so drastically different see I like, I like the hot and humid I'm a weirdo though I, a lot of people from where we're from love that that's why yeah. they don't want to leave and I'm just like no <laughs> I think there may be more reasons why they don't leave, but <laughs> there are. But that's like part of it, though, because like I I know so many of my friends, like grandmas, that would just go like have their air turned off and just like bake in their house because they thought it felt good. I'm like, what the yeah. hell? Or they're like, ah, my arthritis. My yeah, arthritis. I <laughs> Lady, I have arthritis, and I live in the cold. You'll live. <laughs> And New York does kind of give you both. Like, New York in the summer is still pretty brutal. It's pretty hot. It gets hot, but where I am, you get a lot of wind off of the uh, Great Lakes. Nice. So there's, like, a nice breeze. It's, you know, like, the hottest it gets is maybe 80. I guess, too, like, yeah, I don't really know what true heat is like because, like, we used to go on little family trips and shit to Florida, but we would just go in the middle of winter, which to Floridians, they're (laughs) wearing sweaters and they think it's brutal, but we thought it was so warm. But I don't think I've ever been anywhere southern in the actual summer. I would just melt and die, I think. Yeah, let me let me describe the living hell that was my life for a while. (laughs) So um, I was living with my sister, and it was actually, that part was not the living hell at all. My car situation was. So this particular summer was rather hot. Um, It would get to 100, 105, and have like 60% humidity in the air and shit. (laughs) So it feels like you're swimming when you step outside. Oh, God. Your hair just is instantly wet to your forehead. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, you're just always wet. I had to do the conversion to Celsius, but that's really fucking hot. <laughs> yeah. Hot. Yes, oh, yeah. it is. It's really crazy hot. Um, so then you get into my old Honda CRV to drive into town, which it takes 45 minutes to get into town because I live in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I don't have air conditioning in my car. Did you put your head out like Jim Carrey? <laughs> <laughs> on the road that my sister lived on in the country, yes. 
<laughs> as much as you could, because I'm short. <laughs> yeah, I remember when it was uh, like 110 degrees, three days straight in Mississippi, and the air condition went out, and um, in the house, in the house. Oh, it was terrible, and uh, I couldn't find the landlord's number because she was like out of town like in california and oh god it was so bad it was like three days i ended up staying with other people because i couldn't take it and if if you're curious that's 43.3 celsius yeah i've still got i've got my little (laughs) up on the phone (laughs) for three days straight i remember i went to walmart and bought a kiddie pool and uh some ice and i laid in the kiddie pool with ice and it instantly melted, and I was like crying, and I was like going to put my head in the freezer. <laughs> I was just like, it's so hot. All the me- the ice would like melt as soon as I take it out. <laughs> yeah, I ended up Terrible. like having to stay with other people. Yeah, that's that's insane. Like, I don't. I mean, I guess I don't know. I don't know if it even can get that hot here. Like, our summers are pretty hot, but not like that. That's insane. Yeah, it's yeah that's hundred percent humidity. When you grow up on the Gulf of Mexico, so. <laughs> really freaking hot yeah i I found out too because i always have a hard time with fahrenheit just figuring out what the temperatures are but i found out that at at negative 40 the two like that's where they meet they're both the same (laughs) which is insane (laughs) if that ever happens you're just dead but it's neat to know that (laughs) yeah like if if a bunch of canadians and americans died at negative 40 they could all die together understanding how cold it is Yeah, um, I, one of my friends lives in Saskatchewan, uh, I think in Saskatoon. Yeah. Um, she posted, I don't know, maybe a month ago that she stepped outside and it was like negative 25. What? Sorry. That's so fucking cold. Yeah, yeah no. That's, that's... that's real cold. Cool. Well, (laughs) I think I think I'm super stoned and not can adding a lot anymore. (laughs) You're you're stoned. I like like this little post show because, yeah, it's not like, again, you know, it's not like that was the most fascinating movie of all time. So we got a little black eyed peas some toilet talk. I think we uh, covered all the stuff of the day. Got our new yeah, uh, trip right. plan for Svalbard oh. and Japan. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Wait, guys. So you should. I tagged you. Um, I tagged you while Morgan was talking a while ago on Instagram. But it, I think I'm pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> just, just watch it. <laughs> so, so Morgan described to Keith what I just you just saw. <laughs> so it's uh, the creepiest picture of Mona Fande, and the background is vitamin C. Put a smile on your face. <laughs> wow, that's that's perfect. <laughs> that's got layers. Uh, I can Yeah, I came up with it while Morgan was talking, and I had to. Oh, <laughs> God, this is great. Uh, sorry if I laughed really hard into the mic. <laughs> it's okay. I love it. <laughs> All right. So next week, next or oh, not next week, but well, maybe I don't know. Whenever Morgan and I will do another episode, how's that? We haven't worked out what day we're gonna do it yet. But the next episode is 
the movie Carla versus Carla Homoka and um, her husband. What's her husband's name? <laughs> uh, Mr. Homoka. <laughs> no, it's not it, though. Oh, it's not Homoka? Homo- no, they have different last names. Paul Mabadardo? Paul, ben- oh, Paul yeah, they're, Bernardo. They're, they're Paul. Canadian. Yes, they are. We're doing a oh, Canadian yeah. one next week. <laughs> Our next episode. Oh, yeah. That movie, it's got uh, that 70s show girl in it, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Laura Preppin. Yeah. Right? I never actually watched that movie, but hey, maybe I will now. Hey, right. Do it in, in preparation for when you listen to this episode. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good example of like, I mean, I guess it took a while for that movie to come out, but I yeah. don't remember any particular outrage. <laughs> you know, it was just like, well, that's sort of in poor taste, but, you know. Whatever. <laughs> well, there's, you keep in mind, there's also a film that's like got a cinema verite vibe to it, uh, where it's basically recreating Jonestown. So, right. you know, what's taste? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's what we're doing. Um, next episode, it is just going to be me and Morgan, no guests. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm probably after this going to put like a 20 second clip of a Mona Fandy song. Nice, <laughs> nice. yeah. So, uh, I guess this is goodbye. Cool. <laughs> if you guys uh, have any more random movies that you just need somebody to try to pirate. Uh, let me know. I'm uh, I'm all about it. <laughs> Break out my like old school, you know, Napster days piracy skills. Oh, Mr. Hacker li- Man. <laughs> it was LimeWire for me, and then BitTorrent. But oh yeah. Yeah, oh, those are the days. <laughs> right. Mm, miss them. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it, guys. It's been great. Yeah. All right. Bye. It's- it's not bye. It's see you later. Later. <laughs> bye. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.